Good morning. I, I, I even have it in here. It says good afternoon. Don't say good morning. Old habits. Those are really hard to break. And so I'm going to stand over on this side. Um, hope that you're doing well this afternoon. Hope that you've had a good afternoon as you're making your way here to church with us. Um, I, I want to make a couple of, of things, a couple of announcements first before we get started. Last week, we did a, a message series. We, we, last week, we did a message, and we, it involved James Wong, who's been taking care of his wife for 17 years with Alzheimer's. The last 10 years, she has been unable to communicate or walk. Um, and so James gave his testimony about, he made a commitment to the Lord till death do us part. And uh, on Wednesday of this past week, uh, Kathy, his beloved wife, went home to be with Jesus. And so maybe some of you are not aware of that. Maybe some of you are aware of that. But I just wanted to let you know that um, the Lord uh, took home Kathy to be with, be with himself, and he was finished with her. And uh, James did what we all want to do, and that is he saw his wife through to the finish line. Um, and so what an incredible testimony. If you didn't see that service last week, I hope you will be able to, to go on there and watch that. Uh, what an incredible testimony. Uh, Sam, his son, asked me to let everybody know that we will be doing a service next Saturday, this coming Saturday. We'll be doing a service this Saturday. Saturday is a 1 o'clock graveside service that's only for the family. We'll then have a 2 o'clock service right here. Now, you must RSVP for that service. There is very limited space available for coming to that service. It will be streamed. You will be able to watch that. We also want to make sure that you, it is very important that you do RSVP. Of course, they are really hoping that they can have some family members from New Jersey to come. And also, of course, they've made it very clear they would love for their life group to be able to be here in person as well. And so, uh, again, if you would like to come, please, uh, you can take a look at the online link for signing up and RSVPing to that service. Uh, for Kathy Wong, which will be next week. Again, you can look, you can watch it online, and please be in prayer for for the Wong family, uh, James, as he transitions and and goes into a new season of life. So I want to go ahead and I want to pray for him. And I just feel led. I want to pray for Miriam Simple's mother, who's just been sick in Germany. And I'm just going to go ahead and pray for her as well. So I'm going to pray right now, and then we're going to jump into to, uh, the book of First Peter. Uh, chapter 3, verses 8 through 12, and uh, let's go ahead and do that. Lord, I just want to thank you that we can pray to you. I want to thank you that you made it possible for us to talk to you. You want to have a relationship with us. It would be very difficult for us to have a relationship with you if we were not able to talk to you. And so I want to thank you for the privilege and the honor and the discipline of prayer. We can lift our requests up to you and know without a shadow of a doubt, that you hear us. So, Lord, we pray, and we pray for uh, James Wong, Sam Wong, Ashley Wong, Diana, his, his daughter. We pray for them as they grieve. We just ask you to be near to them right now. We pray that your, your, your righteous right hand would hold them up. We love them. We're grateful that we are able to hear James's testimony last week, especially us men to be able to understand what does it mean to love and love sacrificially and unconditionally and to live out our covenant that we pledge before you. 
And so I thank you for James and his testimony. I also lift up Miriam Simple and her mother had a stroke this week in Germany. And I just pray, God, that you will be with her. Pray that you would comfort her. Pray, God, that you would help her in rehab and regain some of the things that she has lost. At the, in the middle of all of this, I do pray that you will remind her, God, that you just you love her. That, Lord, that you are near to her. And that, Lord, she can reach out to you, she can pray to you, and she can ask you for help. And you are there to hear her. So, Lord, I thank you for that. Be with our service. Help us to understand what Peter was trying to communicate to the entire church in regards to submission. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you um, go ahead and take a look in your worship uh, center app, you'll go ahead and you'll see sort of the outline of where we're going this morning, this afternoon. Wow, that's really difficult. I've already done that twice. And I've only, I failed twice. And I've only had two opportunities. So, um, so, so we're going to go ahead and we're going to read our submission definition that we've been using over the last several weeks. Our submission definition is an attitude of respect that results in obedience to authority, here's the important part, and positive good deeds. And so what Peter is trying to get us to do, he's trying to let that play out, that attitude of submission. He wants it to play out in the role of government. He wants it to play out in the role of the workplace. He wants to see it played out in the home with husbands and wives. And in addition to that, which comes to this week, he wants it to be played out in the life of the church and how we gather together, what we do and what we don't do, what we say and what we don't say, and how we live together in biblical community. And, and so if you look at the outline right now, we have our attitude, we have our response, and we have a warning, and then we'll conclude things uh, wrapping that up. So we have an attitude, we have a response, and we have a warning that he's giving to us in biblical community. Here's what we must understand. The devil himself is trying everything he can do to disrupt your belief about who you are in Christ. The devil is trying to do everything he can do. Say it again. He's trying to do everything he can do to disrupt who God says that you are, what God made you to be. Trying to get you not to submit, not to obey, not to live out the commands of Scripture. That's what the devil's trying to do. God is saying, I've given you the spirit of the living God that lives inside you to be able to do what I've called you to do. Not only that, I've given you biblical community to help you to live out what I've called you to live. And so, really, how are we going to, what are the attitudes that we as believers should have Basically, when we say we're a part of the community, we're a part of the family of God, the biblical community at Northwest Community Church. What are these attitudes? He gives us five. I'm going to go ahead and read the whole text, and then we'll cover those five, and then we'll take a look at the response of believers, and we'll take a look at the warning. So let's go ahead and take a look at verse 8. Verse 8 of chapter 3, and then we'll go down to verse 12. Here's what it says. Finally, all of you. So not just husbands and wives. He's telling everybody, all of you that are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, all of you that have said, yes, I'm a sinner, and yes, I need Jesus. All of you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, but on the contrary, uh, I lost my place. Hold on. The evil for you, but on the contrary, bless, bless for those, for this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. 
Verse 10, for whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and the ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So what is he telling us to do as a community of faith? Here we are trying to live for Jesus. Here we are trying to live as a follower of God, to know God and to do what God says to do, which is our response. We do not do these things for our salvation. We do these things as a response to the great love that has been lavished on us that Teresa talked about during our response of reading Ephesians 1. So how are we supposed to, um, how are we, what kind of attitude are we supposed to have? First, he says, I want you to be a, a, have a unity of mind. That's not saying that we're all to be just alike. That's incredibly impossible and does not demonstrate the creativity of God. We're not all alike. We're not going to be all alike. And that's a good thing. But what he does say, he says, I want you to have a unity of mind. Really what he's saying is what we said a couple of weeks ago. I want you to be the answer to Jesus' prayer. In John 17, that's what I want you to be. We've talked about that for a couple of weeks now. He said, unity of mind. I want you to be focused on what Jesus wants you to be about. And, and, and together, you may disagree on some secondary issues. But let's make sure that we understand salvation is by grace through faith alone in Jesus alone. For the glory of God. That we exist to bring much of him. We exist to make disciples who make disciples. And what I want you to do is I want you to be unified around that, that goal. I want you to be unified around that mission. I don't want you to lose sight of that. And that's the attitude that I want you to have. That's the attitude I want you to possess. And that is the answer to Jesus' prayer. I pray that we at Northwest, individually and corporately, would be an answer to his prayer. That we would be unified around the greatest mission the world has ever known. The proclamation of the gospel. And, and, and that's what he's telling us. Then he goes on, he says, I want you to be, I want you to have sympathy. Now he says sympathy, and he also has tender-hearted. So there's two difference, there's some differences right there. Sympathy is looking at someone saying, I'm walking with you and I'm gonna share in your pain. So what does that what does that mean? It means that we are in community with each other. It means that you're not by yourself. You're not a lone ranger. If you are sympathizing with other people and you are feeling their pain, it means that you are in life and doing life with them. That's what he is really instructing here. Here's the attitude I want you to have. I want you to be unified. I want you to be unified in mind. I also want you to sympathize with each other. I want you to share in their pain. When they hurt, you hurt. When mom in Germany is sick and we hurt, we pray. When someone loses his wife, we are right there with him. We, we share in that burden, as Galatians chapter 6 says. He also goes on, there's, there's five of these, and I want to make sure you see them. They're very simply laid out in Scripture there. I didn't write them down for the worship center app. I, I just want you to see that there are five. We've covered two. Here's the third one, brotherly love. Brotherly love, that's the word phileo, and that means the city of brotherly shove. I mean, love, that's Philadelphia. Did you get that? 
I used to live close to Philadelphia growing up, and that was a joke that if you lived in Philadelphia, it was not really a city of brotherly love. It was a city of brotherly shove. Okay, now, now keep going. Keep going. Thanks, Ben. You're, you're late. You're not for me. Okay. Um, with me. So brotherly love, which means that you have a genuine love for each other. So yes, I'm going to share in your pain, but I'm sharing in your pain because why? I genuinely have a love for who you are and what you're going through. You matter to God. God has sovereignly put us in the same place together. He's done this for a reason and for a purpose. And because of that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to love you and I'm going to love you genuinely. Then the fourth thing he says is he says tenderhearted. So sympathy is sharing in their pain and tenderhearted means I feel it. The actual original word is it's in my bowels. It's, it's like in my gut. I'm feeling it. I can hear it. I can see it. I feel it. And so here's what we, we're looking at right now. He, he, when Jesus in, in, in Matthew chapter 9, he looked at them, that, 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 that he, he saw them that they didn't have a sheep. They were sheep without a shepherd. It says he was moved with compassion, which means he was almost to the point of getting physically sick. It was as if he was going to throw up. He was so moved. What, what, what Peter is telling us to do as believers or the attitude is I want you to have the attitude that not only do you share in their pain, but that you feel it. Again, how is this done? It's not done by attending on Sunday mornings and watching a stream. It is doing life together. It's being involved in each other's life. It's going from, it's like a funnel where, where, where as we get bigger, we continually get smaller. That's the purpose. That's what, that's what it's going to take for me to keep you in check of your attitude that James, that Peter is telling us to have and what your, you, you do the same for me, vice versa. The last one he says, which is very familiar to this whole entire book, humility of mind. So, so have this Philippians 2 mind. We memorized that, or we were trying to memorize that. Have this mind in you, which was also yours in Christ Jesus. Esteem others better than yourself. The greatest, the greatest demonstration of that, of course, is Jesus. He's the greatest demonstration of love, the greatest demonstration of forgiveness, the greatest demonstration of everything, especially when we talk about the way we should love and the way we are to submit and humble ourselves. So when we're talking about submission, we look at what Jesus did. Jesus submitted himself to the Father's will. As a result of that, you and I can sit here and have something to talk about. And so here, here we go down. Now, now what does he take a look at? What, what do we see next in the text? The first thing is, here's your attitude. I want your attitude to be unified, sympathy, brotherly love, tenderhearted, and humility. That's the characteristics of your attitude. Then he says, I want you to... Uh, I, I want your response as believers to be like this. He says, do not, every time we see the word do not, we should circle that do not. It's just very clear that this is something that should not be a mark of a believer. So do not repay evil for evil or revile. Basically what he's telling us to do, I need you not to act like a fifth grader. And if someone insults you, then you insult them back. Yesterday during our flag football championship game, I was so proud of this kid on our team, team named Ethan. He got his flag pulled, or he pulled the flag of a kid on the team, and the kid grabbed the flag and he slung it and hit him. He was mad. What did Ethan do? 
He just walked away. That's turning the cheek. This is, this is what he's telling us right now. Listen, don't go right now and go, you insulted me and I'm going to insult you. Go back and forth. It's a never-ending war. Does not honor Christ. Does not, it's not the mark of a believer. He's saying that's not the response that we want to have. I was telling the kids the other day during our flag football championship game, just for the record, 36 to 6, excuse me, 38 to 8, the, uh, the, 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 Ohio, the, the Buckeyes won. Thank you very much. And uh, Matt Treving was there to root us on to victory yesterday. And so we got to win the championship and go undefeated. So just thought I would share that with you. Um, uh, so so it, he's, he's saying, hey, listen, this is what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to respond. Someone insults you. That's not something I want you to, to, to respond. Then he also goes back and he says, hey, I want you to bless them. That, that's incredibly, incredibly difficult. He's not saying that we bless to get something from God. He's saying, I want you to bless because there is a God who loves you. His presence in your life is at stake when we fail to do what he calls us to do. His presence in our life is at stake when we fail to do what God has called us to do. So he wants us to bless to be a blessing to other people. That's what he, what he, what he wants us to do. And, 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 and then he goes on and says, okay, here's a warning for this. Here is a warning. The warning right now is, I need you to look at verses 10 through 12. He quotes Psalm 34 in your life group or by yourself. You can read Psalm 34 verses 12 through 14. And this is where he's picking this up. But he gives us a warning. Okay, so verse 10, he says, whoever desires to love life and see good days. If I was to pull you and ask you a question and ask you that, do you, do you desire to love life and see good days filled with the presence of Jesus and his way and his and knowledge of who he is? You would all uniformly say, yes, that's what I want, Matt. I want to see that. And then he gives us a warning of what will get in the way. And it's interesting to me of what he says as a warning and really what he does is that he could have said anything. He could have said immorality. He could have said a bunch of different things. But one of the things that, that really stuck out to me is the issue of our mouth and our tongue and how dangerous that is in the life of a church. It's interesting. He could have said anything, but look what it says in verse, um, verse 10. Whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evils, evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let me let you know something. Jesus, Jesus is desiring for you and I to submit to him, to follow him, to love him, revere him, and share, pe share him with other people. Satan himself, as I said in the beginning, is trying to do everything he can to prevent you from doing that. So there are questions and there are doubts that come your way as a follower of Jesus that he's trying to get you to stop and not and question who you are. It is radically dangerous for us to enter into gossip or slander and be an instrument of what Satan is already trying to do to each and every one of us. Let me explain that. You tear someone down in the body of Christ, you're doing the same thing 
that Satan himself wants to do to each and every person in here. And what he's trying to do is say, hey, listen, your personality, your characteristic, this is what I want you to be. I want you to be unified. I want you to have sympathy. I want you to have brotherly love and tenderhearted and, and have humility. I want you to turn the cheek when you are insulted. I want you to bless people because Christ has blessed you. But one of the things, one of the things, and I'm only going to cover one, one of the things that is so dangerous to our fellowship and any fellowship among the Christian believers is gossip and slander. The Bible teaches that the tongue is a fire and of death, and we must be aware of that. Ray Ortland said this week in a, in, a, in a message that I was listening to, it was about a five-minute message on desiring God, and it was about this issue. He said, I've been a pastor for 40 years. Ray Ortland is a brilliant man, so humble. He just retired and out of church in Nashville, Tennessee. He said, I have never in my life seen a church that was divided or split over an immoral, sexually immoral situation. However, I have seen a church just be destroyed by gossip and slander. You might think it was one instead of the other. And so what James is doing right now, excuse me, what Peter is doing right now, what Peter is doing is he is trying to get us to understand the great danger of our tongue, that it must be bridled. It's a spark, and it can be lit. And so let us do that. So what is the, what is the answer? Conclusion. What are we going to try to do? What are we going to do? How are we going to fix this? Worship team, you can make your way up. I'm getting ready to sort of land things right now. Go ahead, worship team. Make your way up. And go ahead and do that. So what are we going to do? I have a question for you right now. What environments can help us as believers with our attitudes, our responses, and remembering the warning signs of sin? What, what are the environments? What are the environments that can help us live this out? Where we have, um, this, is, this characterizes my life. This, this is who I am. These are the responses that I'm going to do. I'm not going to insult. I'm going to bless. I'm going to turn the cheek. How, how am I going to do that? I'm going to watch my mouth and I'm going to pursue peace with my brothers and sisters in Christ. How am I going to do that? I, I believe at Northwest there has been, from the very beginning, created opportunities and platforms and environments to where this text can be lived out for the glory of God and for what Peter had in mind. First and foremost, and you've heard it over and over again, we want to make disciples who make disciples. That's what we want, and that's what we want to see. And, and so here's what we're looking at right now. The places where that can take place, right here on Sunday mornings, or at home, wherever you're watching or listening. It can also happen in our life groups. I'm so excited about our life groups and what's going on, whether they're meeting on Zoom or whether meeting in person or meeting at a park or outside in the backyard. I'm so incredibly encouraged by their resolve to continue to meet together. But not only that, I believe two other areas that can really help us know Jesus, walk with Jesus, and keep each other accountable for the things that God wants us to be a part of. And I believe that that's our women's ministry and our men's ministry. Those two areas. As I said earlier, it's like a funnel. We have Sunday morning. We come down to life group. We come down to women's ministry. 
We come down over here for the men, for men's ministry. And then through those, through those avenues, then we have an opportunity to maybe get together with two or three people so that we can be in environments where we are sharpened for the glory of God. Listen, the mission is so big, but God is so big. And there is, there is an unbelievable opportunity right here in our midst, right now, in this time, for us to be able to be together and to do this for the glory of God. I'm so excited about what our women's ministry is doing and has plans for the next year. One of the things I want to make you aware of is December the 11th, there's a worship night right here under this tent. It'll be the second one. Did I get that right? December the 11th, Gazel. December the 11th, right here, there's a worship night for you to be able to come in with other ladies and worship King Jesus together to help you live out what we've just talked about. And our men, our men are meeting on December the 5th. December the 5th from 9 to 10 o'clock, Ryan's going to be talking more about discipleship. We've, had, we've already had two great meetings, and that's an opportunity again for what? For the, the, as we get bigger, we continually get smaller. What I mean by that is we do life on life so that when I'm out of line, you can help me, and I can do the same for you. I had to apologize to my daughter this week, or I spoke out of turn. I didn't want to get up and preach this morning. I had to text her and tell her. I didn't see her. I just said, Molly, I shouldn't have said what I said, and I want to ask you to forgive me of that. Every single one of us can use our mouths to disrupt, but we can use our mouths for the praise of his name, which is what we were created to do. And the way that we can do that is being in community and continuing to do what, what Peter was asking us to do. And so I, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you if you haven't been involved in one of the things that we've talked about, whether it's life group, whether it's being involved in women's ministry, whether it's being involved in men's ministry. These are environments whereby we can help with attitude, response, and heeding those warnings. I love you guys. I love what God is doing in our midst, in the midst of all of this. I want to ask you to go ahead and stand up. I want to pray for us. We're going to, we're going to sing and worship. David's going to come and conclude our message here in just a minute, our service in just a minute. If you do or, or you have questions about life group or you have questions about women's ministry, men's ministry, then I would love for you to contact uh, me about that and let us talk to you about it. All right? So let me pray for us. Lord God, I love you and I thank you for who you are. I thank you for our church and I thank you for the gift that you are to us. I thank you for the privilege that you have given us to talk about you, to sing to you, to live for you. And I just pray, God, that you would be with us in, in regards to our, our attitudes. I pray that we would be tenderhearted and sympathetic and that we would be unified like you prayed for. I pray that we would have brotherly love. I pray that we would be humble in the way that we lead. I pray that we would turn the cheek when we are insulted. I pray that we would bless because you have blessed us. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would fight for the life that you have created us to live and that we would do that by watching what we say and pursuing peace. Lord, help us to do that through the power of your spirit. I pray you will use this song that we're getting ready to sing as a declaration of who you are. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for being in our midst. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.